Hallo en welkom bij deze dertigste aflevering van onze podcast Double Dutch, twee correspondenten over Amerika. Ik ben de ene correspondent, Reinhard van Wachtendonk van BNN Nieuwsradio. En ik ben Freke Vuist, de Amerika-correspondent van Vrij Nederland. En ik ben Samara Klein, Freke Vuist's daughter. Ik ben Anja van Wachtendonk, Reinhard's daughter. Twee uh, andere stemmen erbij, dat is duidelijk. Uh, dit keer vanwege de nu officiële nominaties van Hillary Clinton, een, een historische gebeurtenis, dachten we, we brengen onze dochters in het gesprek om daarover te praten. Ze waren ook allebei in de voorverkiezingen fervente Bernie Sanders aanhangers, dus we gaan, we gaan praten over wat zij in november gaan doen. Het is een beetje een experiment, omdat de rest van deze podcast in het Engels gaat. En we willen jullie luisteraars vragen of dat oké okay is uh, om ons dat te, te laten weten. Dit keer gaat het gewoon gebeuren. Uh, en daarom, uh, in English now, Samara, will you introduce yourself a little further? Yes, um, my name is Samara and I'm 37. I have a four-year-old daughter and I work in book publishing. I've worked in book publishing for a while and now I work for a non-profit organization that gives away Jewish children's books. Uh, my name is Anya. I am 26 years old. I actually was working as a journalist up until about a year ago covering uh, American politics. Um, and now I also work for a nonprofit that does progressive political work uh, on a local level in Washington, D.C. So, Maya, the first question for you. Um, in the podcasts with your mother and in our friendship, which is um, almost as old as you are, <laughs> we have um, established that Freke is definitely a feminist. She finds it very important, the whole Hillary Clinton um, election for, as the Democratic nominee, perhaps becoming the first female American president. You're, you are of a younger generation, a different generation. What does Hillary Clinton's nomination mean to you? Um, I certainly think it's cool. Uh, I'm glad that uh, a woman is for the first time the Democratic nominee and, God willing, will be the president. Um, but... For me, it is perhaps not as uh, astounding as it is for my mother and also actually for some friends of mine who are the same demographic that I am. Um, they see everything very much through a feminist framework in a way that I don't, though I definitely would say that I'm a feminist, but it's, um, it's not a framework through which I see the world in the way that they do. Why, why do you think that is? Is that because you're a, an executive? You're actually are in a leadership position, or am I completely off base there? Um, no, my friends are much more accomplished than I am. Oh, but okay. um, um, I think it is just because of the. I don't know if it's a choice or what, but it's a framework through which I choose to see things. Is not through a, a feminist perspective. It's more through um, a humanist perspective. I think, and um, I think that our you know our country is in a, a pretty dire situation right now. And while I think feminism is, is relevant always, I think that there are other communities and constituencies that need more. And Anya, how do you feel about it? Was it imp important for you? Did you cry when you saw Hillary accept the nomination? I didn't cry. Um, I also recognize sort of more on an intellectual level that this is important. But I, um, when I was little, one of the first politicians that I really admired was Madeleine Albright. Um, so I, I think I was raised at a time where sort of high levels of female accomplishment didn't seem that unusual. Um, as somebody who 
identifies as a feminist and whose feminism, I think, does drive a lot of how I look at the world, I feel more concerned about ways in which women are struggle sort of not at the top of the ladder, but at the bottom of the ladder. And so I'm more concerned about ways that politics impact low-income women and families rather than sort of the accomplishment of one woman at the top. But Hillary is... that Those are exactly her concerns. One of the reasons I like her is that, you know, it takes a village to raise a child. Uh, her, you know, from a very young age commitment to uh, families and children's issues. Does that mean anything to to you that she has that? Or do you see it more in a certain, rather than in a neoliberal way, maybe, to throw out that horrible word? Do you see it more in a class uh, way like Bernie did? Yeah, I think I do. Um, I think a lot of the policies that she talks about are very important for women and families. I do believe that she's been a champion for many women and families throughout her career, starting in her earliest days as a lawyer. But I also think that she's been tone deaf uh, on certain issues. I think... Like what? Like what? Um, Like Black Lives Matter. I think that she... She certainly seems like a person who's willing to have conversations about areas that she might not be fully in line with my values, let's say, um, in a way that Donald Trump is certainly not. Um, But I think that I'm really grateful that Bernie Sanders' candidacy, to my mind, pulled her a little bit further to the left on some of these issues, because I think out of the gate, she was more centrist than I would have felt comfortable with. And I think that some of her sort of financial ties and some of her more neoliberal policies, um, I think, are anti-feminist. And I'm glad that it, she seems to be moving a little bit further to the left on those things. Mm-hmm. Some some of the attacks on Hillary Clinton seem to definitely still come from an anti-feminist place. So, uh, would that not uh, strengthen, you, strengthen you a little more in uh, overlooking some of the stuff that you were talking about? Well, I, I don't know if they're... Uh, mutually exclusive, um, but certainly when I see see Hillary attacked in a way that I think is specifically because she is female, it, you know, my hairs bristle and um, and yeah. I wouldn't stand for that. No, but she's also a, an individual politician, and we all have a, you know a lot of opinions and thoughts about individual politicians as well. So um, those are of yeah. course two separate matters. Uh, yeah. I, I know you men- yeah. mentioned uh, Madeleine Albright; she yeah. was the uh, Secretary of State. She's very old, so she would not be able to run for, for office. Are there then women other than Hillary Clinton that you would rather see that you that, that you know in, in your generation you still see as a feminist idol? You know, where, 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 you know, names where you say if if she had been where Hillary Clinton is now, I would be wholeheartedly and completely behind them. I'd love to see Elizabeth Warren run for president. You did. Yeah. You're, you're whispering it. <laughs> no, no. I just you know I'd vote for her for sure. Yeah. Yeah, um, I'm blanking on her name, but there is a woman in the city council in Seattle. Oh, Kashama Sawan, um, who was a socialist uh, and who, I mean, I think a lot of her success comes from the fact that she is on the city council in Seattle. Um, (laughs) I don't know how much mainstream success she'd enjoy at this moment, but I do think that the candidacy of a self-proclaimed socialist like Bernie Sanders does kind of open the gate, hopefully, for people like her. And she's somebody that I would love to see achieve more success on a 
on a national stage. So, both of you are part Dutch. You know the country well. You've heard a lot through the work of your father, in your case, and your mother, in your case, about the political situation in Holland. And, and is there, do you think your political views may have been shaped a little bit by that experience of seeing another country with a different kind of a system work? Yeah, I think definitely. Um, the sort of social democratic structure of the Netherlands never felt very foreign to me because it was the structure that, you know, my grandfather still lives in. And so when, you know, people talk about European values, those actually seem pretty in line with my values. Uh, I don't see that as a disparaging comment. I see that as a system that makes a lot of sense. Um, the idea that you pay into a society um, and then you reap benefits from that society, that makes a lot of sense to me. And I think that definitely influences my sort of more socialist leanings. Yeah, yeah. You you studied in the Netherlands for a while, right? Oh, yeah. And you also did a lot of Dutch language courses. I did. We were just I did. informed. Yes, they were not very successful, I'm afraid. But I certainly enjoyed yeah. my time in Holland. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yes. the same question is 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 your half Dutch background also informing the way you view American politics? I think it does. Um, you know, it maybe more up until recently, socialism was a little bit of a scary word in America and. You know, I saw from a young age that social democracy can work really well and um, and also that the quality of life, it seemed to me, in the Netherlands was uh, much better for working class folks than, I, than it is in America. Um, and yes, it's a much you know smaller country and I think it's um, changed a lot and it's grappling with a lot of issues that I don't know completely, but... Um, But it certainly seems like they're doing social democracy well there. Mm -hmm. Yes. And you also always say, and, I'm, and they don't work as hard. As yeah, me. yes. I admire, I admire that about the Dutch very much. Yeah. <laughs> um, the other like, flip side of um, you know, my keeping, I guess, a closer eye on Dutch politics than most Americans might um, is also seeing the rise of nationalist feelings and sentiments um, as sort of embodied by Geert Wilders. And, you know, the fact that he showed up at the RNC and the fact that people who admire him admire Donald Trump sort of like helps me understand um, how serious and how frightening the rise of Donald Trump is, um, because Geert Wilders is somebody who enjoys actual power and influence in um, a country that I care about and feel connected to. And the idea that we have sort of our own version of that um, is pretty frightening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You see echoes there because there's a lot of comparisons. Comparisons now: uh, Brexit in England, Wilders yes, yes. in the Netherlands, the Austrian situation. Anya just came back from Hungary. Hungary is a really scary country right now. Mm -hmm. So, is Trump an extension of that, or is Trump or bouncing a, a back? Parallel, to um, a parallel movement that's happening across both uh, continents. And I think, you know, it's always said here in a maybe joking manner, but um, my boyfriend saw that uh, early on in the, in the campaign, one of the most Googled things for the day was how to move to, in that case, Canada, I believe yeah. it was. But it's all, you know, this kind of catchphrase of, well, if this happens, then we'll move to Europe. Well, it's happening in Europe, too. So it's um, Is it it's something that either issue. of you would actually consider? 
if Donald Trump became pr president? I think we both have the ability uh, I mean, to. Yeah, Anya and, and, and Samara. Yeah. yeah. Do you? Um, yeah, I have I a dual passport. You, yeah. As do I. Um, Which is but, something that Geert Wilders hates. Uh -huh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I had to renew mine in, in a particular fashion because he had just put down certain rules about, I don't know, who is allowed to have a passport according to their families. I forget what the exact rules were, but you made me go to the embassy and renew my passport like immediately so it wouldn't be taken away forever. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I part of me just wants to like live in Europe for a little while, so it wouldn't necessarily be a political statement. There is something, I think, sort of strange about the response to a man coming in and saying, we want to seal up the borders against a very particular type of person. It's for those of us who do have freedom of mobility to say like, well, then we're going to leave um, because <laughs> that's, that's like a really kind of giant middle finger to those of our neighbors yeah. who don't have that freedom of mobility. Um, but that said, like uh, the prospect of a Donald Trump presidency feels very scary. It feels actually personally scary, like to me and my lifestyle um, as an American in a way that like uh, the presidency of a Jeb Bush would not have felt actively dangerous. Yeah. I have one, one more question about the European situation. And that is, um, do you see, and or in your time in, in the Netherlands, um, do women behave differently? Do they think differently? Are they politically active differently than American women? in your experience there? Uh, as a non-Dutch speaker, I feel like I, I don't know, that I don't mm -hmm. have a sense enough of, um, of that okay. to, uh, to know. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I think that there are certain issues, um, particularly around what we call like women's issues or family issues that are inherently political in the States because they aren't addressed. So for example, my organization right now um, is working on winning paid family leave uh, in Washington, D.C. Um, for, for mothers with children and fathers with children. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So, I mean, among other, also if, you know, if somebody becomes sick, but it includes, yeah, maternity and paternity leave, which only right now 12% of mothers in America get paid maternity leave. And in the Netherlands, it's one of the most um, significant paid leave programs. And so that's an area that's actually an incredibly political area. It allows women to be successful, you know, members of the workforce. And I think in the Netherlands, that wouldn't be seen as a political issue because they already have it. Um, and in America, it's a political issue because it's a question of who's able to participate fully in the workforce without, you know, a paid leave, a paid family leave program nationally working class people aren't able to get ahead in the same way. Um, and so that becomes a political issue um, in a way that it's not in the Netherlands. That's, Samari, that, that has become very real for you, this, uh, this issue of, you know, maternity leave and, uh, and all the care that you, you can get. Remember when I came to you and, and I was your kraamverzorster, which is not known, that concept in America, you know? No, yeah. because I'm desperately thinking of the uh, English word for that. Yeah, we don't, okay. there uh, is no English word for it because it doesn't exist. Which is telling you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I so, mean, you have become very aware of these issues. Okay. No, absolutely. I mean, I, uh, at the time that I had my daughter, I worked at one of, uh, I worked at a very socially progressive book publisher and they were one of the 12% that had um, paid maternity leave. And I considered myself 
you know, one of the lucky few, and I was, but, you know, it was two months, you know, as a, which is laughable in Holland, you know, and here I was like living the maternity life, you know. <laughs> um, but now I work for an organization that just has the, the federally mandated six weeks you get to take off. And if you um, not paid and we just will pr- reserve your spot here. So when you come back, um, you still have a job. <laughs> Samara, in the primaries, you were very strongly for Bernie Sanders. And we just talked a little bit, or the the word was mentioned, socialism, and that perhaps uh, there's a little less of a stigma of that now because of Bernie Sanders. Frank and I have been talking in our podcast several times about um, people like you who were not particularly interested in Hillary Clinton. What are they going to do in November? Um, because there's always the, uh, there's two options. Well, there's three options. Trump, not an option, but there's an option of staying home and there's an option of going to the Green Party. What are you going to do in November? You know, has Bernie left a past station and are you now just going to work for Hillary Clinton? Yes, I will, but it will be a vote out of fear. It will be a vote, you know, against Donald Trump that I will be voting. And, um, you know, and it, which is not to say I'm completely pessimistic about uh, Hillary. I, I'm not. My partner will not be voting at all, which is sometimes a point of contention because I feel like we need every vote we can get. But, um, you know, I think I think that Bernie had a great campaign. I think that the the Democratic Party didn't fully do him the justice that he deserved. Uh, I think he had great influence over Hillary's campaign. And for that, I'm very thankful. And um And I think that he's, you know, a a peak in a movement that keeps happening. And it happened with the 99%. And and then there's also the Fight for 15 movement that continues, which is the movement fighting for a a higher minimum wage. And, And he's a part of this continuum. And I don't think it's over. I think he built it and he grew it and it will it will continue. And I, I hope to see its next incarnation soon. Anya, Bernie, you were you were maybe a little less uh, on the Bernie train than Samara, and so there may not be any doubt in your head about November. On the other hand, you're in Washington D.C., so it really doesn't matter if you don't vote Democratic because Hillary's going to win anyway. That's true. Um, I've never been registered in a in a jurisdiction that was ever going to go anywhere but Democratic. Um, I grew up in Massachusetts. I'm about to move to New York, um, so I could be registered in one of three places that will go for Hillary, but. I actually went into the voting booth um, during the primary undecided until I walked in. Certainly my politics, I think, align more with Bernie Sanders. I don't feel necessarily super enthusiastic about him as a candidate um, because I am, in general, less interested in in human politicians over policies and ideas. But I was a lot more focused on some local elections uh, in D.C., so I was... Um, more enthusiastic about some D.C. council candidates, actually. As a human being, though, he was very much like your old Jewish grandfather. Not my Jew- old Jewish grandfather. <laughs> well, not in his politics, but as a human being, he was. Yeah, he was a gruff... he's grouchy, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and I think actually that was part of what made me ultimately pull the lever for Bernie Sanders was I realized that um, as a Jew, this was possibly one of my only opportunities to cast a vote for a viable Jewish candidate for national office. And uh, it didn't occur to me how important that was until at one point he said on the campaign trail, 
I am Jewish and I'm proud to be Jewish. And I was surprised at how moved I was by that. And so I figured, um, I knew that Hillary, I mean, DC is the last primary. So at that point, it was very clear that Hillary was going to be the nominee. Um, I knew I was going to vote for her in November. And I thought this is my chance to, you know, sort of vote Jewishly. And in the fall, I'll be able to vote for a woman and I'll be able to sort of cast these two historic balance. Um, So just on like a very personal and like identity based level, that was how I made my decision. I won't hold my nose when I vote for Hillary in the fall. I think, again, there's a lot of issues where we may not be fully lined up. But I think that she has demonstrated a willingness to be a partner with different sects of the voting public in a way that Donald Trump certainly is not. Um, And so she may not, you know, bring on the revolution that I'm hoping for. (laughs) Um, But she will, I think, be a partner for four to eight years um, in a way that I can handle. Um, And then we'll just keep moving forward. You know, Samara, I was thinking... How do you see, you know, as you already said, it was the uh, the uh, Occupy Wall Street in a sense. You know, we've seen now a long kind of a movement of progressive activism in America. Where do you see that go? Where? What are your hopes for that? Because you guys have to make it happen. I'm sorry. Um, I... I'm less of a uh, politically bent person, so I guess I don't see um, politics as the the full answer to that. I um, And maybe it's a little bit of a Pollyanna uh, view of it, but I think that activism uh, can be very powerful. I was just, um, I was speaking yesterday with a, f- a friend who is a works for Verizon, and we were talking about the strike that she had been on, and we were saying that that was probably the the best piece of news we'd had in the past 12 months was that they won that strike, and they won. And um, so I think there is power in activism, and there's a lot of movements, like the Fight for 15 movement, like Black Lives Matter, and um, I think they, they align at times, and I'd love it and you know this is what what I love sitting here in Massachusetts is you know irrelevant, but wouldn't it be amazing if they could align themselves more closely and work together for for the power of numbers um, and I also think that the they care about each other and they they overlap uh, all of these different movements so i I think it's an activism is it a local or do do you see this the uh, the future of progressive uh, of the progressive movement as a local issue, um, or do you have to wait for the new Bernie Sanders, if you know what I mean, or the Elizabeth Warren, or whoever might be in the future? Yeah, I think that change will be won on a local level, um, but that the importance of a figure like Bernie Sanders is that, or Barack Obama eight years ago, um, is that motivation from the top. Um, I think something that's exciting about Bernie Sanders' candidacy is that he, he is that he inspired some of some people to engage in politics um, under the flag of the S word socialism, which was used as a slur against Barack Obama eight years ago and is now being sort of held proudly by a lot of people my age. Um, 
And I think that's a really big deal. But I think that, I mean, we're we're one of the viable candidate presidential candidates right now, not a fascist demagogue. I would say that the important thing is, you know, that people take that energy and then apply it on the local level. Also, we need to make sure that a fascist demagogue does not get elected president of the United States. But I think like going forward, progressive work needs to be happening on a local level. You asked this question about, you know, a a viable female candidate for president. And I think also something that's important is not just that, you know, a person like Elizabeth Warren runs for president, but also that we empower leaders on the local and state levels who are women and stand up for feminist issues um, and who are also, you know, stand up for uh, the concerns of communities of color and working class people, um, that those that they are empowered at sort of every level of the political ladder and that the executive branch is not like the be all and end all of political progress. Yeah. Assuming that a fascist demagogue, you know, doesn't take control of that <laughs> office. Yeah. So, in a way, to uh, to sum it all up, I get the impression that both you, Samara, and, and Anya, are, in spite of what is happening with what you are calling a fascist demagogue, <laughs> I, I, I won't go there yet. But we're talking about Donald Trump. Um, You'll go also, with the demagogue, but you're still not there with the fascist. Yeah, that's right. That's for another podcast. <laughs> yeah. Um, but so, Frank and I, and and people from. You know, more left-leaning people from the older generation are really, really pessimistic and are wondering what the hell is happening to the country or has happened that this is possible. But I hear from both of you that you actually see this maybe as a blip. And even if you became president, that a um, a movement has been has been started by Bernie Sanders. Or if you looked at the whole Democratic Convention, even there, there were so many overlapping groups. You, you talked about the overlapping groups. So are you guys more optimistic than we are? That's the question. Sometimes I am, sometimes I'm not. <laughs> I mean, you know, um, sometimes it's very scary. You read about how well Donald Trump is doing, and, um, you know, it makes your. Who's that guy who does the statistics? What's his name? Nate Silver. Nate Thank you. You know, yeah. he said, look at this, and my, you know, my heart stopped. But then, I don't know, then the New York Times said, not really. And so it was quelled a little bit. But um, <laughs> I don't know. Your level of optimism? Anya? Yeah, it also, uh, I don't know, goes up and down. I am worried about no matter what happens in November, I am worried about sort of the uh, energy that Donald Trump has unleashed. Um, I worry about the ways that he's inspired and motivated white supremacists and white supremacy. I worry about sort of the tone of his rallies and the way that certain people suddenly feel comfortable expressing vile ideas. So that makes me really worried. But I also, I do think that there's really incredible organizing going on across this country on college campuses, um, a lot of different grassroots movements um, that are pushing for more voices to be heard. And I hope that, you know, they don't only feel empowered around a presidential election. I hope that they're given opportunities to keep pushing for change on a lot of different levels and around a number of different issues that aren't just electing one person. And as long as, I don't know, they keep working and fighting, hopefully they can sort of counter a lot of that, the kind of vile forces that have been unleashed by the Trump candidacy. (laughs) 
dit was onze nogal speciale Double Dutch podcast van deze week. Uh, ik ben Freke Vuijs, Amerika-correspondent van Vrij Nederland. Ik ben Reinhard van Wachtendonk, de BNR-Amerika-correspondent. En wij willen graag een reactie van jullie ook, omdat dit eigenlijk een experiment was, omdat zoveel van deze podcast het merendeel in het Engels is. En dat kunnen jullie doen uh, op... DoubleDutchAmerika.gmail.com Dankjewel, Reinoud. Amerika met een K. Amerika met een K, ja. Dankjewel en uh, tot de volgende week. Ja.